0: mm uh-huh. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Monday, October 17, 2016 edition. I broadcast weekdays, that's Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on WYNB, and on WWCR. And as well as there are a lot of other ways to listen, you can simply go to the listen page at weekendvigilante.com, including the customized apps for smart device and downloading the podcast for those of you that want to take the show on the go. Well, I want to jump right into my topic today. I'm entitling today's teaching, Harmless Fun or Demonic Doorway Halloween and how fitting for this time of year we know on October 31st spooky beings superheroes cartoon characters and rubberized celebrities will line the streets and malls anticipating sugary rewards compelled by shouts of trick or treat children of all ages will tote receptacles of various size and weight harboring the result of the night's hunt and you know it as Halloween. And while for most, it seems like just some harmless annual activity, well, its roots run very deep in ancient paganism. Now, you have to remember the Luciferian Illuminati have always twisted and perverted and totally messed with our calendar throughout time to infuse their ritualistic occult pagan holidays, or as I call them, their holy days, if you want to call it that. The Luciferian elite observe eight major nights. There are others, but the main ones are December 21st is Yule, winter solstice. February 1st, Imbolg. March 21st, Ostara. That's their spring equinox. May 1st is Beltane. June 21st is summer solstice or Letha. August 1st is Lunasod. And September 24th is the autumn equinox or Maybon as they call it. But October 31st is undoubtedly the highest and holiest night of sacrifice for the Illuminati. We know it as Halloween, but it's actually All Hallows' Eve, and it originated in 7th century A.D. It was celebrated on the 13th of May, and it was a night for remembering deceased saints and martyrs. The date was later changed to November 1st in order to Christianize the pagan holidays Beltane and Samhain festivals of summer winter and fire. Throughout Europe Halloween the night which marks the transition from autumn to winter seems to have been an old time of year when the souls of the departed revisited their homes in order to warm themselves by the fire. They say such ghosts walk the countryside retrieving offerings of food and drink supplied by living family members. Darker forces roamed the night as well, demons, hobgoblins, witches on broomstick, all haunting the night with the acts of mischief, the trick. Real witches were also known to revel on Halloween night. According to Man, Myth and Magic, the witches of Aberdeen danced round an old grey stone at the foot of the hill of Craig the devil himself, playing music before them. Modern witches and Wiccans practice similar nude Halloween traditions, calling on earth spirits and goddesses to visit their knife-drawn circles of power. Well, if you want to meet the original Halloween witch, it was Hecate. The goddess Hecate was the Titan Earth mother of the wizards and witches, who illustrates perhaps better than any other ancient goddess. The connection between Wicca, the Celtic Halloween traditions, and the realm of evil supernaturalism. As the dark goddess of witchcraft, like Isis, like Gaia, was worshipped with impure rites and magical incantations, her name was probably derived from the Egyptian word Heka, which means sorcery or magic, which may explain her association with the Egyptian frog goddess of the same name. And it also probably explains the affiliation of frogs with witchcraft and the various potions of frog warts and hallucinogenic plants. Hecate's is actually a hallucinogenic plant also called acinite, which supposedly sprouted from Hades' three-headed guard dog and fell to the ground when Hercules forced him to surface the earth. But in any event, Hecate was known by the Romans as Trivia, which means three roads. Later when the Latin church fathers compared the magic of the goddess trivia with the power of the gospel they found it to be inferior and thus the pursuit of Hecate's knowledge became known as trivial pursuit or inconsequential but the fact that Hecate's followers sincerely believed and feared her magic and presence was legendary And this was primarily due to her role as the sorceress of the afterlife. But true believers also feared her ability to afflict the mind with madness, as well as her influence over night creatures. She was thought to govern haunted places where evil or murderous activity had occurred. Those areas were believed to be magnets of malevolent spirits, something like haunted houses. And if one wanted to get along with the resident apparitions, well then you needed to make oblations to the ruler of darkness, Hecate. There was also a vicious night owl affiliate of Hecate who flew through the night feeding on bodies of unattended babies. During the day, these owl-like creatures appeared as simple old women, and such may account for the history of Halloween's flying witches. Hecate's devotees celebrated such festivals near Lake Averna in Campania, where the sacred willow groves of the goddess stood, and they communed with the tree spirits, earth spirits, hmm, sounds like today's green gospel, the Gaia-loving occultists. This is all part and parcel of earth spirit summoning. It was here that Hecate was known As Hecate of the earth, a depiction in which she most clearly embodied the popular earth mother spirit that conversed through the cave stones and the sacred willow trees. It was nevertheless her role as the feminist earth goddess spirit that popularized her divinity and commanded reverence from among the common people. The connection between ancient paganism and the modern customs and costumes of Halloween is very easy to trace. So now that we talked about the Halloween witch, well, let's get into the origins of Halloween. Now, it looks like it would be spelt Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It's an Irish pronunciation pronounced Salwyn. Samhain. Samhain was a period from October ninth to November first. The three-day fire festival was to worship the Celtic stag god, Lord of the Dead, which is really a depiction of Nimrod. Sometimes Nimrod was depicted with either horns or having antlers, kind of this stag-like creature looking like the Baphomet, really, the pagan god of the dead. If crops failed, people died. There may or may not have been enough food to last through the winter, so Samhain was an ancient fire harvest festival to the Celtic stag god of death, the lord of the dead. And again, some of the early pictures, he's depicted as Nimrod. That's the very Baphomet-looking god. The ancient nomadic Celts celebrated Samhain, this three-day event. The Celts came into the British Isles around 900 BC, and they held authority and were in control of these regions until about 900 AD. These are just approximate timelines. Keep in mind, these nomadic tribes were very barbaric and worshipped many false pagan gods, particularly revering the sun the moon etc they had a priestly class or high priest class of magicians called the druids now interestingly i talk about this a bit in green gospel i talk about how oak has a lot to do with sacred fertility oak is revered by these pagans as the most sacred of all trees and sacred wood but druid in gaelic ironically means oak Or actually, if you really study it out, it means oak knower. Again, oak is revered as the most sacred of all trees and sacred wood. So it's interesting that that big old 40-foot owl out at Bohemian Grove is said to be made out of oak, which is apparently a very sacred wood to these people. Oak sacrifices. Seeing a pattern here? But the oak thing itself, that's a whole other show. Now, druids held all the power and the authority in the Celtic tribe. They had the authority to call the shots on really everything from when people could marry or have children who could or couldn't be allowed to worship at their temples. One of their most ancient astrological observatory and temple complex was Stonehenge. There were other gigantic megalithic stone circles where they would worship their stag gods. But for now, I'm just going to concentrate on that one site Now Stonehenge, as most people know, is a prehistoric monument in Wiltshire, England. There is some radiocarbon dating that suggests that the first stones were raised between 24 and 2200 BC. The interesting thing is that the blue stones are made out of a rare blue granite that is found only in Scotland some 80 miles away. You'd wonder how you would move stones weighing anywhere from four to ten tons, how would you move them 80 miles over a river, up a hill? Hmm, That still remains a mystery. There's many theories, but again, that's another show. So Stonehenge is one of many astrological observatory and temple complexes where these druids, these high priests, practice their sacrifices eight times a year. Now there's been roughly 4,000 skeletal remains exhumed Nearby or under that site. So these druids practiced sacrifices. And you remember those dates I went through at the beginning Imbolg, Astara, Beltane. Well, those were the markers of those times. So the nights of Samhain were the most important because it was said the veil between the world and the spirit world was at its thinnest. Now, prior to those nights, they would hollow out large turnips or pumpkins and stuff them with fat and entrails from other sacrifices, mostly fat, and they would set them aside. Now on the last night of Samhain, the druids would prepare huge cauldrons, getting them ready over huge fire pits and fill them with what would be an apple cider type of liquid. And they would boil for hours while the druids would go wandering out into the countryside to houses of nobility and manners And they'd bang on the door and scream trick or treat. Those inside the home knew what it meant and they were terrified. Why were they terrified? Well, you're about to find out. The lord of the manor, this could be houses of dukes, earls, marquises, they were supposed to cooperate with the druids by giving them a treat. What's a treat? A treat was handing over one of their household servants, their maid servants, or if none of those were available, they would have to give up someone of their own household. A family member would have to be given up to be used as a human sacrifice. And as a reward for handing over the human sacrifice, the druids would leave on the house step a lit carved out pumpkin containing that entrail, the animal fat, and supposedly the carved-out pumpkin would act as a ward of protection for that household from demonic entities, the forces and activities that would be summoned that night. If the household did not cooperate, well, then they'd get a trick. Well, what's a trick, you might ask? A trick was the druids would paint in blood, real blood, a six-pointed star with a circle around it on the door. You know it as the strongest occult symbol the hexagram and like the pentagram it's been used in practices of occult and ceremonial magic attributed to the seven old planets outlined in astrology so the six-pointed star is commonly used both as a talisman and for conjuring spirits and spiritual forces in occult magic that goes on to this day so they got their trick the hexagram on their house Now what would the druids do with these human sacrifices? Well, they'd take them out to Stonehenge and they would put the people in cages, make some lineups at the cauldrons, and they would throw apples into the cauldrons. Now the boiling point of a liquid is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. That could melt the flesh right off of you. They would take one of those people up to the cauldron if that person could get an apple out of the boiling water between their teeth, they'd free them. They would release them. This water was boiling point. And most of the poor victims, they did it because, well, that was their only chance to live. And so they took it. They would dip their heads into that liquid. And the damage was horrific. Oftentimes, third-degree burns, scarring. And what happened if you didn't grab an apple? You were either beheaded which they've actually found under Stonehenge, the site, many beheaded remains. So you were either beheaded or you were used in the wicker man burning. You know it today as Burning Man. So the Celts had built these huge 30-foot human-like wicker structures out of wicker reeds, some other plants. Well, some of the caged people would be then used in these 30-foot wicker mans, used as human sacrifice offerings by those structures being lit on fire supposedly allowing the demons to enter into our world and during the nights of Samhain these wicker men and other bale fires open the floodgates for these spirits so what the druids would do to keep the malevolent demonic spirits in check they would protect themselves with painted masks robes and costumes with very special symbols to keep out these spirits Well, and guess what they're doing today in Nevada? They're doing the Burning Man event. Pagans come together from all over the world once a year, and they set up the old wicker man. It's the same practice, just a slightly different rendition. But this essentially is the origin of the Halloween costume. Folks, Halloween is nothing more than the druid pagan worship of the Celtic Lord of the Dead. And these practices still exist today. But wait, you might say, when did the Knights of Samhain become called Halloween? Well, Pope Gregory III deemed November 1st All Saints Day to honor the Catholic Saints, All Saints Day or All Hallows Day. So again, people started calling Samhain the night before the Eve of Hallows, All Hallows Evening, and shortened it into Evening, and then Halloween So trick-or-treating festivals, bobbing for apples, carved jack-o'-lanterns, costumes and masks are all part of this very, very occultic pagan holiday. Some people think it's just a harmless little holiday. And Christians actually try to counterfeit Halloween by having these harvest parties or harvest festivals at the church. But you know what? That's reprehensible. You're just giving it another name, but it is a very serious occult pagan holiday, and it opens the floodgates of demonic activity. Christian parents, this is not some cutesy little harmless little holiday. And it's time to put a halt to all of this. It's time that you're going to put an end to participating in this reprehensible practice. Don't be lukewarm. Don't go along with the world. Jesus Christ says he will vomit you out of his mouth. It's up to you to decide, are you going to choose God? Or are you just going to shrug and say, well, my kid's going to be a part of this? Well, you're responsible for the information and what you do with it. It's up to you. But now that you know, the pagan occult origins, then, well, you're held accountable. And for those that say, well, come on, it's just a harmless little night. It's not really that anymore don't be deceived. Halloween is the mother of all occult holidays still today. And if you're a Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-led Christian, then you really have no business participating in this any way, shape, or form. The Bible says, what business has dark with light? We're to have nothing to do with these type of practices. This is idolatry, whoredoms, and witchcraft. And you know what comes with that? A curse. God says it in his word. So believers have to recognize that we are to have no type of association with these practices. Think about that eerie feel you get on Halloween. Every non-believer even recognizes there's something that feels evil in the air on Halloween. And you can feel the shift a few nights before. It's very creepy. And guess what? For good reason. Do you know that not long ago, some 300 exorcists flocked to Poland for a week-long Congress to examine the current fashion for Halloween-themed monsters like werewolves and vampires the world over, and the apparent connection between this fascination and a surge in demonic possession? The world is now experiencing an explosion of ancient occultism combined with a wicked fascination for ghosts and all things paranormal. In the United States alone, there's as many as 8 million practitioners of witchcraft, and don't get me started how many on college and high school campuses throughout the West. These vampires, werewolves, these creations of the night, they're esteemed as objects of desire, they're idolized by young men and women who view them as cult icons of mystical power. Daily, we're reading how Satanism is spreading to public schoolyards and elementary after school clubs. City council meetings are being opened with invocations to Satan and even churchgoers are being enchanted by the darkness. There is a surge in Satanism. The telegraph, that's mainstream news headlines. That is not Sheila Zelinsky. Mysticism is infecting the church today. I even posted an article on my end time news headlines, even Catholic Church says there's a rise in demand for exorcists, as traditional religious settings are getting infiltrated with requests for this. And there's a recent spike of zombie like attacks on people, killings, as well as by individuals claiming to be vampires, werewolves. Now you can throw clowns into the mix. One arrest of a Texas man, he broke into a woman's house, he threw against a wall, and he tried to suck her blood. There was a Florida teenager who was later charged together with four other people for beating a 16-year-old boy to death. Two of them claimed to be a werewolf hybrid, and investigators acknowledged that these teenagers were part of some vampire cult. If parents and pastors and youth pastors have not been paying attention well, they need to spend a little time looking at what their children are mentally and spiritually feeding on. Because you know what, folks, we're losing a generation to darkness. Consider as an example, the popular youth-oriented magazine, Rolling Stone, had an article entitled The Joy of Vampire Sex. Vampires are hot and trendy. The undead is sexy. The article went on to talk about True Blood, the... American dark fantasy horror television series produced and created by Alan Ball based on the Southern Vampire Mysteries detailing the coexistence of vampires and humans in a fictional small town in northwestern Louisiana. The first five seasons of that, it won a lot of awards, including a Golden Globe and an Emmy. This is True Blood, based on vampires. You know the widely successful... Twilight Saga, the Twilight franchise box office history, the numbers were staggering. And that's worldwide. So there really is a fascination with the supernatural. Clearly, we can see that. But sadly, even a lot of churches today are very interested in supernatural types of manifestations, glitter, feathers, fire, glory clouds, shiny golden sparkling embers falling out of the sky. In any event, there is many supernatural manifestations. But are they from God? Well, we certainly see the kundalini spirit is alive and well. So it's very important to have discernment. There's a deeper sign of culturally relevant consequences here, folks. This present Captivation by our young people with dark supernaturalism is at all time highs. If it's not Harry Potter's witchcraft and the twilight vampirism, it's games with bloodshed, slaughter, witchcraft, occult paganism. It's in all the video games today. It's one of the signs that this age is under demonic influence. Today's youth have exchanged yesterday's pigtails and pop guns for pentagrams and blood covenants. It's something that former generations could not have even imagined. But whether you agree or you completely disagree with my assertion, with everything that is happening in our culture today, Christian leaders should use the month of October and the season of Halloween to address these issues because there just is no place for us to be involved in Halloween. I hope you enjoyed this teaching. I would like to hear back from you on your thoughts about it. My contact information is there at weekendvigilante.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.